This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Kaylee, Danielle, Damasaurus, Jeff, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Matt, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of the awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out and chat daily. I've been dating someone. I go, I went on vacation with my family. My mom and I spent a lot of time together, you know, and my brothers came. It was super fun. So first day, take my shirt off, put sunscreen on. My mom turns around and she's like, why do you have a bite mark on your chest? (laughs) (laughs) The bruise had faded. So I was just like, oh, it's just a bruise. And she's like, I'm a nurse. I know what a bite mark looks like. (laughs) You can't lie to mama. Your mom's like, did you double tap her? Zombies are serious. And Mikey's like, yes, we did double tap it. I was like, I was like, we need to leave really early. I want to get back soon. And she's like, not all of us have bite marks to get back to. Mikey's mom for the win. I know. It's amazing. It was great. Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch Night Night of of the the Living Living Dead. Dead. So this is the first time I had seen this movie before. I'm assuming everyone else has seen it. Yes. I had to watch this in film school. And then I actually watched it recently. Uh, the beginning of quarantine, I did a rewatch of Horror Noir and some of Eli Roth's History of Horror. Yeah, okay. And then rewatched some of the films from it, and this was one of them. Okay, cool. So I am familiar. And yes, and yes, Todd, I know we're probably going to get into it. I understand that the quality of this film is not high. Oh, okay. So let me, can I explain that though? It's 68 though. Yeah, yeah. So let me say this. So when we talked about doing this movie, of course, I don't get to say, so like, whatever, it's fine. But like, I did say, oh, it's a 60s movie. It's probably going to suck. And I went in with that mindset and I was so blown away by how good it was. <laughs> I was too. For a 60s movie, I was like, oh damn, I get it. I get why this lingers this on. This blows West Side Story out of the water. <laughs> That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. No, okay. I, I will say that this movie uh, has a few things going for it, even being from the 60s. Yeah. Number one, it is paced very well. Number two, there's diversity in casting more so than ever before. And number three, this lays the groundwork for a lot of what we will consider to be zombie movies later on. Are there movies that predate this movie that technically have zombies in them? Yes. Are they ever referred to zombies at two as zombies within this movie? No. Uh, but this becomes our model for a zombie movie later on. And so in that way, it feels kind of familiar. It does, yeah. Which I do really like. Absolutely, I agree with that 100%. I saw this in high school, but it was after I watched Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, which I like personally better, just because they're later on and they're more 80s style kind of zombie movies. But I I love the the sequel to this that George Romero makes, the original Dawn of the Dead, is one of my favorite zombie movies of all time. Okay. It's completely better than the re- the new, like the Zack Snyder remake and stuff like that. Uh, and I found this movie because I watched this movie and researched and I was like, oh, he has other zombie movies. And I watched this and it's, it's fun, but it's not as grand of scale as his other films. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and, and also the, the budget for this movie is minuscule. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I'll talk in fun facts, too, about a lot of the ways that they cut corners and things that they had to do and things about this movie that are uh, a necessity of the budget. 
Uh, before we get into the movie itself, though, uh, did you guys watch it on Amazon? I watched a version that was in color on Amazon. Okay, that's why I'm bringing what? it up. Okay, yes. So I started it on Amazon and I was like, why the fuck is in this? This is what in color. And the color was so bad. It was terrible. They couldn't regulate it because of the way that the movie was originally made that I even though I had paid for it on Amazon, went and paid for it again somewhere else to watch it in black and white as it was intended. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so Todd, you saw it in black and white. I did. I, I think I okay, watched good. it on HBO Max. We watched so many movies for this podcast, so I can't remember exactly. Yeah. But it was the black and white version. And I honestly thought that that would turn me off. But then, like, after, like, three minutes, I, like, no longer gave a shit. Yeah. And to be honest, I think it's done really well. And it is shot on black and white film. Yeah. So it's it's not just that they didn't colorize it. It, it was shot on black and white film because that's all they could afford. Just like Clerks, baby. Just like Clerks. <laughs> and, and, yeah, very similar. And we'll go over a few of the other things they had to do to the film for budgetary reasons in fun facts the black and white version is so much better yes but i went with the color version because i'd never seen it yeah and i was like well if i'm gonna watch this again i want to experience it in a new way and, mm, <laughs> boy. and the, it was bothering me so because i i was down because i had seen it in black and white and i was like oh color why not uh but it bothered me so badly that i, I had to go switch back it was hurting my eyes <laughs> So I will say something that's really interesting, even with it being shot in black and white, if you're unaware up to a certain point when shooting on film, they would have to use color corrector cards for slates yeah. to try and match colors. And none of them were formatted or designed for shooting colored skin. So they were presented mm. from a white perspective. And so the fact that this movie looks as good as it does, is a credit to George Romero actively, even though they had no money, working on the lighting to make sure that he is actually shooting Ben's skin in a way that makes it look normal within the scene. I was going to say that because I have run into that situation a lot, even like doing corporate videos. Like yeah. you have to change your lighting setup for people's, for different skin tones. It's not just like between white and black. It's like every, like every different skin tone, you have to adjust things slightly. So it like brings out the right color. Right. So they look like them and they did a really good job, I assume, because I don't know him in real life, but looks like an accurate representation, which I thought was awesome. Well, and, and it's interesting to note that for the time. So and we'll talk about it a little bit more in Fun Facts. This is one of the first times in horror specifically that a black character ever has that much screen time or is ever cast as a protagonist. But also at the time, there were very few black characters who had been on screen this long in a movie. So for them to actually, A, cast him because the role was not originally written as black. They rewrite the script to accommodate him. Um, but then to also make sure that they're doing the right thing on the production side is very important. But this movie, I think, is a credit to their work at the time to actually do the work and shoot people correctly. It's also sort of a pretty forward thinking, at least as far as race goes, movie. Yes. It treats women terribly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's forward thinking on race was actually like, wow, this was 68. Well, and again, remember, it was not written with a, as a black character, yeah. but they saw him in auditions and liked him so much that they rewrote and even included rewriting the ending, specifically knowing that it would now be played by a black man. And that's why yeah. the ending kind of ends the way that it does. Interesting. Okay, this is a classic film. I love it. Let's start it. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's just jump into this movie. So we open on a country road and we follow a car driving along a country road. 
And this is where I stopped the Technicolor version to move to black and white. Because, and Mikey can vouch for me here. The car goes from green to blue to lavender to back to green. It's just one of those like cars they paint with that paint, you know, on Lamborghinis that are like all the colors. I was going to say it's like a horse of a different color from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Every single frame, it's oh, changing. Does everything have to be a musical reference? <laughs> yes, Mikey. Yes. You are correct, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Paige. You're welcome. Okay, so the car pulls into, uh, we see it drive past a sign that says cemetery entrance. They pull into the cemetery. This is Barbara and her brother, Johnny. Hot take. Yes. I fucking hate Barbara. <laughs> she is the worst. I'm coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> this episode. She is this movie's Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The wrong sibling dies in this cemetery. <laughs> I just want you all to know that right now. And this movie would have been a better movie if Barbara's brother made it to the house. I don't know. Barbara's brother's sort of a douche. He's like slowly taking off his driving gloves as they get there. Well, yeah, because he's going to mess with Barbara because she's obviously not a great person. <laughs> and he's forced to take a road trip with her. You have unlocked a fun fact. Oh, oh. wow. Oh. Okay. Oh. When the script was rewritten to reformat it for having a black protagonist, they drastically rewrote Barbara's role. Really? And so, yes, originally she was supposed to be almost like a final girl. And then as they oh. were rewriting for a black protagonist, they were like, no. <laughs> and, then they, <laughs> and they rewrote her to be useless um which is here's the thing not great but also makes for some pretty funny shit later in this movie it does and some people in trauma will act like that and i'm not gonna make yes. fun of them everybody has different trauma responses and this movie has a wide range of trauma responses. i will say my one gripe about this movie is that everyone's really intense about every little thing and it's like everyone needs to like have a beer chill out a second they're in a zombie apocalypse mikey and you're like i think everyone's a little too worried about their safety all yeah, right they're like if you touch the lamp i'll murder you and i'm like <laughs> okay everyone everyone we need to back off let him go to the cellar and you stay here and we don't have to yell at each other mikey this is what an older sibling would say fully well knowing that you, well, you've like yelled at someone for eating your, your cottage cheese in the fridge in a way this is a very 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 early version of what the walking dead explores which is yes. that in a zombie apocalypse, the zombies are one level of danger. Yeah. But people who are desperate for survival are a whole different level of danger. And that's really what you're dealing with. And that's what this movie definitely looks at. And it's one of many things that we see bear out through zombie movies throughout history. Uh, but I really like it here. But Paige, I'm desperate and I'm not dangerous. You're the most dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I murdered that P word. Oh, Mikey. <laughs> Paige got up and left. Yes. <laughs> In the car, they're talking about driving out to the cemetery, and they reveal that it's 8 o'clock and it's still light because, quote, it's summer. What it really is is they could not afford to shoot that long outside in the darkness. So yeah. there you go. But they're there to lay flowers on their father's grave, and it is three hours away from where they live. So they then have a three-hour drive oh, back. That's a weird trip. It's a weird trip, and it's revealed that their father's been dead for some time. I think it was three so years. That, 
Way more than that. Oh, is it? Okay. Because they're talking about like, I don't even remember what he looks like. (laughs) And mom used to come out here and do this with us. And now she doesn't. We do hear an emergency message on the radio, but then they just turn the radio off. Yeah, like starts and then the brother turns it off. Just like you people at home do with your Amber Alerts. Well, you're guilting people now, Mikey? Yeah, that Amber Alert might be a zombie apocalypse and you've missed it. I don't think you understand what an Amber Alert is. That's a very specific type of alert for a specific type of thing. But what if they're child zombies? Then Mikey will fully be happy about punching them in the face. But Todd, they wandered (laughs) off. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) They wandered off looking for brains. Brains. Send more policemen. Uh, So they walk over to the grave. They lay the the flowers down and it's, clear that barbara is uncomfortable yeah i would say in so the are graveyard we, so are we <laughs> so are we and her brother is just kind of like hurry up like we don't we got a three-hour drive back i don't want to be here all day he's kind of an asshole he is an asshole he is just straight up over uh, it no he's not okay let's let's okay let's reframe okay <laughs> we need to reframe the perspective he drove her down here three hours to lay flowers on their dad's grave who's been dead for many years we don't know how he died he could have abandoned them out for cigarettes and died in a car crash we don't know regardless he's not using those flowers he won't notice if they're not there yes exactly and the brother's like i'm doing this he did it for her and he wants to get back i think they did it for their mom really yes yeah yeah, because they do talk about that and then barbara couldn't even find the candy to give to him when he got there <laughs> Mikey she looked They didn't have any candy Bro she ate that candy Just like a younger <laughs> Where's sibling Where's the candy does. Barbara They're coming to candy Barbara <laughs> <laughs> Anyway what's really cool Is in these scenes Where they're at the grave In the far far background You can see a man Wandering through the graveyard And you can just kind of tell that he's not quite right. He honestly looks like he might be just really drunk. Like he's there visiting his wife who passed away and he's real sad and drunk. That's what I looked like on the beach. (laughs) In a suit, kind of pale. Already has a bite mark. Yeah, you definitely (laughs) think he's a zombie. I forgot about the bite mark. They call that in the biz a callback. Did you say a bit? Yeah, because he got bit. It it is a bit. You're right. I can take a good joke and make it worse. Oh, man. Honestly, it's still funnier, though, for some reason. So don't stop doing what you do, baby. So at this point, Barbara wants she's she's done. She wants to go. And Johnny is like pestering her, teasing her about being uncomfortable in the graveyard. And this is where we get the very, very, very famous line. They're They're coming coming to to get get you, Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. They're coming for you, Barbara. They're coming for you. Classic Big Brother line. Yeah. Yeah. Look, here comes one of them now. And she leaves and is going to apologize to the guy who's walking. We find out later that was her intention. That's what she says. That's what she says. Unreliable narrator. You are very anti-Barbara right now, Mikey, and I do not understand it. You watched the rest of the movie, right? I mean, she has experienced a trauma and is not of sound mind. Everyone in the house has. (laughs) I have uh, an alternate Barbara theory. I want you guys to hear me out later in the film. Okay. Uh, But I think it starts right here. This is my Barbara theory. So she walks close to the man who's wandering. Yeah. Is just going to walk past him. 
and he grabs her and and literally tries to attack her. Johnny pulls him off and they end up fighting. And the man, she thinks that he they only knock Johnny out. I think Johnny's dead the oh, second he yeah. hits that gravestone. He hits his head on that grave. Yeah, he gets million dollar babied against a gravestone. He's just <laughs> like, he's out. Oh. It's a discounted baby now. <laughs> yes. So Barbara takes off and loses her shoes but makes it to the car. But then she realizes that Johnny has the keys, so she locks herself inside, and the man desperately tries to get in to the car, eventually smashing the window. Yeah. So she, pretty smart, pulls the emergency brake. This is the one time she's smart in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it rolls down the hill until it crashes into a tree because she can't steer it well. Yeah. She gets out and runs. He runs after, but he's a slow zombie. So she makes it to the main road and runs to a farmhouse in the distance. Now, here's where my Barbara theory starts. Hear me out. I'll refer back to it as we go. I think when he initially attacked Barbara, he bit her. Oh, you think oh. she's bitten? I think she's bitten. Okay. They don't address it in the movie, although there are clues that could suggest. And it's one of those things that I had never thought before watching it this time. And I was just like, oh, I wonder. I mean, the zombie certainly had opportunity. Like, he was all over Barbara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like up in the front, up in the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> he took her Z card. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he had ample opportunity to bite her. Yeah. And I'll bring it up again a couple times later. Oh, man. My entry story is just going to really stay relevant this episode. Yep. I know. It was the perfect one. Thank you for bringing it to us. Mm. Uh, or rather, thank you, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, set reminder to bite Mikey. Alexa, please order ointment. <laughs> <laughs> Dating's weird. Dating is weird. Have you tried just hanging out in a graveyard and seeing what happens? <laughs> we did the match. Shut your whole face. I have that later in my notes. So she runs to the door of the farmhouse. It's locked. She runs around to the back. She gets in. She locks the doors behind her. She sees the man in the distance coming for her. And she closes and locks all the doors. She walks through the house, checking all the doors and windows. She finds a knife. She walks into what I've only described as the taxidermy room because it's just, (laughs) it's full of taxidermy. Yeah. But it's like moose heads and deer heads and on the wall. There's like a a tiger rug though. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like hunting taxidermy. And then it's just like Brigadier General in the savannah. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's the 60s, man. None of those species were endangered. You could just hunt that (laughs) shit all over the place. You could just kill dogs when you were done filming them. Uh, (laughs) Oh, Mikey does not get that joke, but that is a callback to this week's episode or last week's episode of Romance in the Pod. It goes from moose to Jumanji in like zero to two (laughs) seconds. She hears him banging on the windows outside and she closes all the curtains and tries to use the phone. Now here's, this is kind of going to bolster my theory. She is much more alert here than anywhere else in the movie. Yeah, she goes catatonic pretty quickly after Ben arrives. As the movie continues, she gets more and more catatonic. Yeah. Much like the little girl in the cellar. Anyway, so... She runs, she's got the knife, she's looking out the window, she tries to run upstairs where she finds a dead body at the top of the stairs, which by the way, she fully would have smelled upon walking into the house. Oh yeah, but I mean, she was probably panicking and really worried, Right. so you may sort of overlook a bad smell when you're like, imminent death is just outside the front door. Right. Yeah. So she she runs out to the porch, 
she sees headlights approaching, a young black man shows up, shoves her into the house and locks the door, carrying a tire iron. Yeah. And very quickly, he says to her like, hey, don't worry, I can handle the ones outside, but there's a gas pump. Do you have a key? If there's a key, we can get out of here. Yeah, because he's out of gas. That's the reason he pulled in. He saw that gas pump. Right, exactly. And at this point, she starts to go kind of catatonic where she's... Oh, I thought she was racist. She is also probably racist. Yeah, there's some of that too. In fact, there's a look between the two of them before he even goes inside and like forces her inside that I was like, ooh, I don't like the way she's looking at <laughs> Well, th- there's a look for her that's almost like what is scarier That's what I mean. her. Yeah. yeah. She's processing which one of these things is a bigger threat to her. Well, and that's going to come up again later with the other people that we will find out are in the house because they similarly have some feelings about who should be in charge of what and why. Yes. Yeah. And race is definitely going to play into that heavily. Yeah. So he is actively trying to find a way for them to get out, assuming that he'll be taking her with him. So like the second he realizes she's there, in his mind, they're in it together. They're on the same team. We're going to work together. He's a good dude most of the time. Yes. He does punch her in a few minutes, but like most of the time he's a good guy. When he's not straight up executing dudes in the house, (laughs) he's a decent dude. Is, Is it terrible that by the time that guy gets shot, I'm like, he had it coming. He had it coming. <laughs> he had it coming. He only had himself to blame. I'm, I'm waiting for a certain barber scene, and then I'm going to tell you when I would have shot her. I was <laughs> on board with that guy getting shot, but we'll talk about Barbara more as we go. So I did like that when he pushed her inside, he was like, there is a zombie outside the door, and I'm here, and I will save you all that we need is some gas, so find the key and get in my goddamn truck, cause when we get some gas, we will get the fuck out of here after I shoot Henry in the cellar. Baby! Okay, so. <laughs> oh, man. I'm gonna kill the kid and his <laughs> wife so dead. Okay, so anyway, he goes into defense mode where he's going to like figure out how to get the gas, how to keep them safe. And he's telling her, he's like, I need your help. Yeah. Because we got to get out of here to where other people are. To a safe place. Yes. In the meantime, I'll see if I can find some food. She ends up walking under the body that drips blood on her and she freaks out. (laughs) Yeah. And she's literally just kind of following him around the house with the knife. Yeah, she's holding the knife. She won't put the knife down. Yeah. I mean, I understand why he does not put that crowbar down immediately. (laughs) Uh, Same. Uh, Meanwhile, outside, they hear the zombies breaking the headlights of the car. And so he basically is like, have you seen it? Do you know what's happening? Do you know why it's happening? And she just says, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> because after, after a certain point, after a certain point in this movie, all of Barbara's lines are screamed. Yeah, um, they're barely coherent screams. This, he goes out with the tire ladies. iron. Ladies. <laughs> after a night with Mikey, you will only let out barely coherent screams. Just a woman waking up in your bed. I don't know what's happening <laughs> mikey you don't want that to happen that is a bad they're bad legos Le- <laughs> why why would you have legos hang on we gotta pause the podcast and break this down why are there legos involved because i have a red room of pain it's just filled with legos on the floor 
<laughs> She's like, I consented to this last night, but now I wish I had shoes. <laughs> All you have to do, Clarice, is make it across the floor. <laughs> Legos. So Ben goes out with a tire iron and kills two zombies outside. Yeah. And comes back into the house and he was like, hey, do you see me do that? That was super cool. Yeah. Well, while he's out there killing zombies, she just kind of backs away. Yeah. And a zombie gets in through one of the back doors and she still has the knife. And it's just like, ah, until Ben comes in and kills that guy to save her. And she is horrified. The look on her face as he saves her and then has to drag that body away is almost just like you're a monster to him, which I find really like it's very strange. Barbara's the worst. Her brother would have helped. No, I think her brother would have been slapping people with those driving gloves. Yeah, he'd have been like, how dare you, sir? I challenge you to a duel. I challenge you to a ghoul. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, Paige. He'd been like, you know who's best friends now? We are, Ben. And then they would go kill zombies together. I'd I'd, I'd watch that. Honestly, Uh, I'd watch that too, Mikey. I think we should cast you and, I don't know, Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish. (laughs) Darius Rucker? It's Mikey (laughs) and Darius Rucker. I would love to see a zombie movie with Darius Rucker. Time, Time out. All you had to do was think of one black actor and you went with Darius Rucker. You... You could have been like Donald Glover or like Daniel Kaluuya or even Denzel Washington or Terry Crews or Samuel L. Jackson. What kind of budget do you think we have for this? We've got Mikey money and we've got Hootie and the Blowfish money. That's about it. Honestly, I'm really hoping for Winston Duke money so he can just be in that Howard sweatshirt with the bat again. And I would watch the shit out of that. Oh, my God. Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker. Uh, are we talking Hootie Darius Rucker? Or are we talking like country Darius Rucker? I would go Hootie Darius Rucker because they got back together in 2018 and started touring again. So I would go mm. full on Hootie and the Blowfish Darius Rucker. You and me, we bust some zombie heads. <laughs> I like to hit them with a bat until they're dead. Some call me crazy and you wonder why. <sighs> I beat the zombies because the zombies make me cry. Well, there there's nothing, nothing I can do. Can do. <laughs> I'm I killing kill zombies, zombies with, with you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Darius Rucker, get at us. I'm getting another beer. I really like where this episode's going. I'll be right back. <laughs> so he pulls that other zombie outside, the body at least, and lights it on fire. He sets that fucker ablaze. He sets it ablaze because there's a crowd coming from the woods. And he tells Barbara to put all of the lights on in the house. She grabs the knife again, even though he has now killed three different people for her and created a bonfire to keep the zombies away. She still is holding the knife the whole time. Yeah, it's like she's terrible. Yeah. Uh, So he finds a box of nails and he sends her to go get woods. They can barricade the house, which she does not do. She finds like a small pile of sticks and he finds all the wood and barricades the whole house. He literally rips apart like the cabinets and shit like this dude is resourceful AF. Fucking smart. This is the smartest shit ever. He takes all of the interior doors and uses them to barricade the exterior doors. And I was just like, that's the smartest thing I've ever seen, man. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's great. And Barbara can't even pull out the longer nails that are in that little box of nails. She's worthless. She is worthless. Here's my favorite part. 
he sends her to go get firewood. She goes to the fireplace and finds a small pile of sticks, which I think are just the shims for lighting the fire. I think so, too. Like the kindling, if you will. Yeah. He, she, he's like, Barbara, can you count these sticks? It's super important. I'll get back to you soon. Just <laughs> count them up. Do it like four times. Because he comes back to where she found those sticks, opens the cabinet, and finds a whole thing of actual firewood that he then pulls out to use on the rest of the house that she just didn't even see. <laughs> so They don't write women very well. Well in this movie no I mean that's not true I like the the wife down in the cellar I think is a very interesting character yeah. but anyway so he he kind of tries to comfort her and he's like I know you're afraid I am too but we have to board the house up together and we'll be all right until someone tries to rescue us which is foreshadowing she walks through the house looking for wood doesn't find anything she's also just clearly not doing well and no. this is where he gives her the job of picking out nails which by the way he has her picking out nails as he's just grabbing nails and using yep. them indiscriminately yeah. <laughs> he's clearly just given her something to do to keep her quiet yeah. he's like it's really important that this couch doesn't float will you just sit on this couch <laughs> and make sure this couch doesn't float I just don't want this couch to float. Just sit on this goddamn couch and don't say anything, Barbara. <laughs> so he secures one room and starts securing the next room so that they have, he's essentially creating almost like barricade upon barricade so that if the zombies get in through one door, they can then move to an interior room, so on and so forth. This is yeah. basically the smartest person in a zombie movie and it's all downhill from 1968. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> And as he's barricading, he's telling her about his experience first seeing them. Yes. Where he says he was on the road, he saw a diner, and there was a big truck, it was a gasoline truck, and it crashed across the highway with a bunch of zombies hanging on it, and the truck was kind of moving in a funny way, it wasn't driving straight, and it caught on fire, and then they all backed away from the truck, and by the time he got back to the diner, they had descended on the diner yeah. and killed everyone. That's essentially how he learned they were afraid of fire. Right. So I see, I didn't remember them being afraid of fire. And I don't think that's like continued much in like zombie lore. It does. It is a factor both in Shaun of the Dead and I don't know if it's in Dawn of the Dead because they're in the mall. So I don't really, there's not really much fire, but I know right. Dawn of the, or Shaun of the Dead plays with the fire thing. And so does Zombieland a little bit. So the, he also tells her that's how he got the truck. That's not originally his truck, but he got it at the diner and now is driving it and trying to find gas and that will help them get out. But he came up against 50 or 60 of them and he just drove through the pile of them. Yeah. That was the only way. And he said that they didn't move or run. They just stood there. I just had to crash through them. And at this point, Barbara kind of lets her guard down a little bit. This is where she puts down the knife. Yeah. At this point. And she tells him about what happened to her and Johnny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this. Because he was like, here's my like really traumatic story. And he like right. lays it out and he's a yes. good storyteller. And he's like, I could see. And he's like being really empathetic. He's like, I could see how you could be really upset because I was Right. This, this is what happened this to me. What, yeah. And he's like. How about you? I'm going to work. Why don't you tell me what you went through? And then yeah. like 30 seconds later, he's like, chill the fuck out. Yeah. It's very gremlins because she starts talking about yeah. her side of it. And then he's like, all right, I'm already bored with this. I'm going to get back to work. He's like hammering. And then he's like, I love oh. when you do visual gags on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> here. Okay. Here. Here's how I felt about it. He tell, he just told a story of him having to go up against 50 or 60 of them, and a whole diner of people being killed. Oh, yeah. This is for real his most badass story he ever has had. But not only that, it's 
so much death. There, it, yeah. This is a global problem. And she loses her shit realizing that her brother may have been in danger. One person. Yeah. Which I understand it's her brother. And I understand yeah. it, this is super traumatic. Mm -hmm. But I think part of her freaking out in his eyes is her not connecting with reality her viewing rea her own reality through a lens that does not allow her to comprehend the gravity of what is going on yeah but this is also part number two of pages barbara has been bit theory is when she says <laughs> welcome back to pages thinks barb got bit <laughs> uh, she says it's hot in here and she tries to pull her jacket open which yeah, she does. you could definitely read as a pain he's like whoa lady whoa we just met <laughs> You could absolutely read that as a panic attack and, and that she is yeah. hyperventilating and needs to get free. Or perhaps, like the girl downstairs, she has a fever. Because as you'll notice as the movie goes on, she opens the jacket all the way and eventually takes it off. Yeah, she does. And starts to have like cold <laughs> beads of sweat as the movie goes. Yeah, that is actually starting to add up, Paige. Right? So she freaks out. She she has uh, an... I, I would say she has a panic attack. I yeah. believe she has a panic attack. And it was the 60s, so the only way to handle a woman having a panic attack Slap was to strike her in the face. Yes. It's best practice, guys. <laughs> no, that is not the official stance of the horror virgin. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> a, a few things. And and again, not to excuse, she, she should not have been hit. A, she does hit him first. True. B, she is actively trying to get out of the house to go out to see her brother, who he is about 150% sure is dead. I mean, we find out he's a zombie later on. Like, yes. he is done at this point. He, he's done. Yeah. I don't think he should have hit her, but I do think this is a situation in which they would have probably had to restrain her at a minimum. Yes. So the slapping thing, while being wildly inappropriate... The theory behind it is like during emotional deregulation, you need some stim like uh nerve like stimulus to like get you focused. So a lot of people when they get like really deregulated, they'll you can you like have them hold ice cubes and things like that to get them to like come down. Does that make sense? Yes. You mean so you don't hit them? No. I mean the more humane way would be like here hold these ice cubes or whatever. Hitting them while could do that. It's also like wildly problematic yeah <laughs> in so many ways well it, and it could escalate it too. Yes. It, it doesn't necessarily it is not what people would say is trauma-informed care <laughs> no i had an, an unexpected panic attack on father's day and ended up holding onto a cold table which helped quite a bit see yeah uh, something like that you know there you go. Spoiler alert. If you go to a rainforest exhibit, they should probably tell you if there's going to be spiders just like hanging there. Because people with anxiety, if you can focus on physical <laughs> sensations and stuff, it, it'll help yeah. bring down your anxiety. Really? That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. I bought a can of LaCroix because I knew it would be cold. And just yeah. like, there you go. We survived. It's fine. <laughs> I don't have panic attacks. I, I have some anxiety, but I don't have like panic attacks. It's I, I cannot empathize enough because I've had some anxiety attack things, but nothing like that level. And I can't even comprehend it. it. It is not my norm. That's for sure. We went to a museum with my dad and there was like this rainforest exhibit. I was like, oh, cool. And as we're like walking, I see this like part of the exhibit that looks like there's spiders. And I'm like, oh, but they're behind glass, right? They can't get to you. And they're like, yeah, sure. So we get inside <laughs> it. I don't like where this is going at all. And they're all. like, this is, they, they like shut the door behind you because they're like, it's a closed ecosystem. And as you walk under the first tunnel is a full-blown giant 
rainforest spider, real one, just chilling. Oh, fuck that. And I'm like, and I'm like, nope. they're not, they're not behind glass. They're not behind glass. And I just like, ah. so I moved away from it as far as I could get away, but also away from all the walls because all the walls are leaves. And I'm just like, there could be a million of them. Paige, they're that's everywhere. So I'm like, I need to get out. I need to get out right now. And, and they're like, uh, the only way to exit is to go all the way through the exhibit. I was like, the fuck it is. Like, fuck no. And I like, zero to 60 in like <laughs> two seconds and i think like my mom and dad took like one look at me and they're like oh she's not right like she's not okay <laughs> and so i pushed my way out of the emergency exit i like waited for somebody else to come in and then rushed out as they came in and people were like that's not an exit and my dad like held them back from stopping me getting out because he was just like let her go <laughs> Like, bye. And then they went through it and were like, yeah, it was fucking terrifying. There's spiders everywhere. <laughs> I was like, so I was right to be afraid. Yeah. But then I got a LaCroix and a slice of pizza and I was okay. Honestly, a LaCroix and a slice of pizza can solve almost anything. But uh, yeah, all I'm saying is like when it triggers that level of fear, sometimes there's not much that can bring you down. He still should not have hit her anyway. Right. Agreed. So <laughs> she loses consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he punches her. I think it's a closed fist. He punched the highlights out of her hair. Well, actually, she has she has bruises along her jaw for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So so he he did hit her hard enough to probably lose consciousness, and and she is bruised. Yeah, she took it on the chin for sure. <laughs> I mean, she did kill her brother. Oh wow. She did not. That zombie million dollar babied her brother. Yeah. Uh, if she could have fought back, her brother would have to jump in, and she, you know, whatever. Barbara's he stuck his neck out for her, and that's why it got broken on that tombstone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the worst part is he broke his neck on his own father's grave. <gasps> oh. oh, man, that's dark. Yeah, it's like that zombie was a truck. <laughs> oh, no. We almost Just made it through. Grave no. digger. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> anyway. He puts her on the couch and unbuttons the rest of her coat because it'll cool her off. That'll help too. Yeah. He turns on or he finds an old radio and turns it on and finds a news report and the station is going to be broadcasting repeatedly and they start giving the facts as they know them, which is it's an epidemic of mass murder and that they are eating people as they find them. And he notices that there's more surrounding the car so they're surrounding the farmhouse so he just continues boarding up the house because he's now assuming they're gonna have to stay there yeah. for a bit until he figures out more of what's happening or at least until she comes to so she wakes up and as he's moving through the house barricading doors he takes down one of the interior doors revealing that there is a cellar door yeah she wakes up and she's just sitting catatonic on the couch. But this is where she starts taking her jacket and other things off. Yeah. Because she's hot or maybe she has a fever because maybe she's been bit. There's no air conditioning in the 60s. That's true. And they have boarded up the house, which yeah. means it's mm -hmm. going to be warm. Ben finds a closet where he finds shoes that might fit Barbara. So he does get her shoes. Yeah. He like puts them on her feet because she's too catatonic to like realize what's going it's on. It's the perfect yeah. gift for, you know, this joke's not going to work. The woman you punched in the face. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that you bailed out of that joke. It is a shame I don't have time to edit this episode, so that's definitely going to be it. Because, <laughs> no, like, cuts. no cuts. No, so, like, no, it's God. a shame, and I'm sorry that you've done this to yourself, really. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, don't hit your loved ones. She, he doesn't love her. <laughs> or anybody. 
Oh. He hit it and then equipped it? <laughs> With shoes. <laughs> and they give you plus five running. <laughs> anyway, he also finds a shotgun and shells. So a, a big box of ammunition and a shotgun. Yeah. So he brings everything down and he shows her the gun and is basically like, hey, we have a weapon now. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, sooner or later, someone's bound to get us out. So he starts loading the gun. And he's about to go back upstairs to try and shoot zombies from the upstairs windows. Yeah. And she sits there on the couch listening to the radio as they're talking about how essentially whatever is happening to people, it is making them cannibalize their victims. Yeah. It's bad. So she hears a noise behind the door from the cellar. She thinks it's zombies trying to get inside. So she screams, but they're not zombies. They're people from town. And they heard the radio, and that's why they came up. And Ben comes downstairs and is like, how long have you been down? We've been boarding up this whole house. We've been killing zombies by hand. We could have used your help. And they basically were like, well, we figured we we didn't know what was going on. We'd essentially let them hurt you, and we'd stay safe. Well, and the story is all like, well, we didn't know if it was zombies up here or whatnot. And it keeps changing because mm-hmm. uh, Henry Cooper, I think is his name, is like... Yes. Just the ultimate tool. Yes. Well, and there's a marked difference between Ben, who arrived at the house, saw that she was there, and immediately was like, we're in this together. We're going to help each other. We're going to get out of it. Yeah. Versus the Coopers and Tom and Judy, who are downstairs, hear them upstairs, and instead of they're also here, now we're all on the same team, we can help, are basically like, we'll stay down here and see how this plays out, because we are more valuable than them. Yeah. It is selfish. Essentially. And I already have my safety down here. I don't need to worry right. about them because we are safe down here. Right. But you know, if I was Ben though, I would be like fair. I mean, it's a zombie. Ap- I mean, like I probably, I don't know if I would have came up either. Cause they could have been who knows what, you know? Um, I mean, here's why I think I, I side more with Ben here because if, cause it's clear that there weren't zombies, they were walking around the house talking They've heard him boarding the house up. It's been quiet inside, aside from her screaming. And I think I would have at least tried to peek out and see what was happening if I was down in the cellar. And I think in his mind, the fact that they did not show themselves or look and see if there were people that they needed help means that they probably intended to take advantage of them for their own safety. Totally great. I think think Mr. Cooper should have came back and been like, look. I have my daughter down here, so I was being super extra cautious. I'm sorry I didn't come up sooner, but she's my number one priority. Right. Or and now, now that I know we're we're safe, happy to help. Yeah, right. But no, instead they just like really just immediately lure the flies it. Oh yeah. yeah. Like from Jump Street. Mr. Cooper's terrible. Yeah. They they argue like Dr. Seuss books level of arguing like immediately like butterside up toast. I'm gonna go with like a vague Dr. Seuss reference. I was gonna. I do not like them, Sam. I am. <laughs> <laughs> the cellar's better. And I was like, guys, you're both right. Like you just want to stay alive. Just like collab. Well, and and I because of the way Ben's been barricading the house room by room by room by room by room to essentially create a way to localize the zombies so that you can lock off rooms. Yeah. Essentially, mm-hmm. his plan to leave the cellar as their last defense makes the most sense to me personally. Yeah, yeah, and that's essentially what he does at the end of this movie. Yeah, because he's smart. But 
if they all are just staying in the cellar and they don't prepare anything upstairs, then that's their only hope and there's nowhere to run to. Whereas if they prepare upstairs, they might be able to get them before then. Anyway, what really cracked me up is Cooper comes up and he's just like, you're crazy for being up here. Look at all these windows. But then like a minute later, he's like, we can't even look out of these windows. And I'm just like, pick one, man. Uh, but it's purely just because he wants to be, quote unquote, the leader. Yes. Is what it is. And it's very clear that Ben is much better at this than Mr. Cooper is. Well, and yes. Ben has a gun. And Ben has a gun. Yeah. He does have a gun. Yeah. And Ben does go outside to check and see how many zombies there are and ends up shooting one and it doesn't take him down. This is where they learn that they have to shoot them in the head. It has to be a headshot. They hear it on the radio later, too. But yeah, this is where they learn that a body shot's not going to take these guys out. Oh, man. I love body shots. <laughs> this is where they see the naked lady zombie with morgue tags. Yes, that yep. was pretty cool. It's meaning that she was dead and came back. This is also where a zombie eats a bug. I don't know why that happens. That doesn't happen in any other zombie movies. But in it this should. zombie movie, I think it's just because it looked weird because she comes up on that stump and she's just like, <laughs> just like munches <laughs> down on a bug. And I was just like, what? All right. Fun fact page. They did not ask her to do that. She just was looking for craft <laughs> services and found that bug on the tree. And she was like, this is so low budget. I'm forced to eat bugs off a tree. Well, what you don't know about that zombie who swallowed a fly is that now that only the zombie has to f- swallow a spider. When will the cycle end? Oh, man. Anyway, so this is where Ben comes back inside and he and Cooper continue to argue about whether or not they're going to stay upstairs or go to the cellar. And Tom, who's a a local teen that the Coopers and Tom and Judy meet up at the farmhouse. So they didn't know each other ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, But Tom is basically like, yeah, I think Ben might be right. And so they kind of switch through at whoever is in the cellar with whoever's upstairs. So they bring his girlfriend, Judy up for a little bit. Yeah. Um, she switches with Helen, who is Cooper's wife. Yeah. And they all kind of meet Barbara upstairs, but then we also meet Karen, their daughter downstairs. And this is where we find out that Karen is borderline catatonic and has a fever. Yeah, she's quote-unquote sick. She's sick, which informs my Barbara theory. Yeah. So, essentially, at this point, Cooper decides that he's going to stay downstairs in the cellar and lock his family down there, too. Yeah. Until his wife finds out that there's a radio upstairs, and she's like, you're an idiot, and I don't like you. I didn't like you, because she does say, we may not enjoy living together, but dying together doesn't help anybody. <laughs> so, she's basically <laughs> just like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. We're going upstairs. So they do have to leave Karen downstairs, though. So they start taking shifts of who's taking care of Karen. Um, And none of them can get Barbara to talk to them until they make their plan. And they're like, well, if we can get to the gas, then maybe we can, you know, get in the car and then maybe we can get out of here. And she just says, oh, yes, I'd very much like to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Your Barbara impression is really good. Thank you. Uh, But as they're having that conversation, Helen, Mr. Cooper's wife, is talking to Barbara and she lights a cigarette and Barbara recoils from the match. Yeah, okay. I'm seeing it now. Yeah. Right? Which at first I was like, that's a weird reaction. Then I was just like, unless you're bit. And then that makes sense. That was her actor's secret. Ooh. Yeah, maybe because we never see it. She's also warm. She took her jacket off. So she doesn't want to be around fire though. Yeah, she could have a fever. She's reacting to the match. Also, most people recoil away from fire. I mean, but it's just a match if she's lighting a cigarette, though. Like, it's not like fire, fire. Anyway, 
Uh, but so this is where we get they they bring the TV down into the room and get it working. And this is where we get a lot of the news reports where we get this classic section of the recently dead are returning and seeking human victims. Yeah, we get sort of an explanation for why it's happening, which I thought was cool. But also it's a strange reason for it to happen. Well, my favorite thing about it, because essentially their explanation is that uh, a satellite was supposed to return to Earth and they exploded it. Yeah. And the explosion caused radiation, which is causing the dead to come back to life. But then my favorite part is as they're interviewing different people outside the White House, they're like, no, of course, that's not the reason. That would never be the reason. And it's this like no one's giving a straight story. No one fully knows what's happening. I love that that whole like news anchor segment where they're interviewing those guys like walking from the White House to their car is all Mm -hmm. one shot. And it's like all ad libbed. And it's like. Yes. Them just like taking a stance and then the other one being like, no, it can't be that. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's very like bad, like improv. <laughs> yes. Uh, I need a location and a job. A satellite. A sa- <laughs> <laughs> Medical examiner in the middle of an unexplained pandemic. OK, I heard postman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're just describing 2020 now. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Dr. Fauci. Give me that piss. So, wait, that was a cult podcast. One. Yeah, I, I know that bit, but uh, some of our listeners may not. If you're not listening to cult podcast, go listen to cult podcast. You'll get those jokes. They also list out a list of safe houses. And so there's one that's only about 17 miles away. And they decide that if they can get the young girl there, she has a chance of surviving. And they also know that there is a gas pump. Now, Cooper reveals that there's a ring of keys in the cellar that has the gas pump key. So he's known the whole time as they've been pacing around the house wondering what to do because they can't get to the gas pump, which is extra shitty. I didn't think it was Cooper. I thought it was Tom. I thought it was the teenage boy who said that. I Well, I think Tom tells, but Cooper says that there's a key ring. Tom's the one that gets it. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Either way, it's shitty because the key to the gas tank was there the whole time. It was. And, and back when there were only two zombies, they had a much better chance as opposed to the, like, 50 now. At one point in this movie, Ben clears out all the zombies that are there. More show up. But there's probably, like, a five-minute, ten-minute window where there were no zombies out there. And if they had had the key, they all could yeah. have escaped. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at this point, they ask, how bad has Karen been hurt? What's happened to her? And they avoid telling them. They just kind of change the subject. Yeah. And they're like, she's very sick. We think she's getting a period. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is one of my favorite... 30 rock bits of like how can you say that we don't represent women well i'm amelia Earhart. oh no my period uh anyway they come up with a plan and they're going to create molotov cocktails to essentially create a diversion of fire so that tom and ben can get to the gas pump gas up the truck and then come back and pick everybody up and then go and make an escape, Yeah, essentially. Um, Judy doesn't like that because she loves Tom and worries about him. And so they have a really weird talk in the taxidermy room. Yeah. I like their relationship. It was short-lived. It does flame out pretty it quick. Does, yeah. It does flame down. Which, Mikey, you have some experience with. Only like a thousand times. <laughs> Get yourself a Judy. Don't settle for a Barbara. <laughs> oh, man. So they get Barbara and Helen and Karen downstairs while Tom and Ben are going to go out to the truck. And Henry from above is going to throw the Molotov cocktails. And yeah. Judy hides out because what we'll find out is she's going to run out, ruin everything, and try to get into the truck with Tom and Ben. Yeah. So they start the plan 
Mr. Cooper's tossing the Molotovs and it's working. Yeah. They get to the truck. Judy does make it to the truck and Ben gets in the back. They get to the gas pump, but Ben had a torch to try and light zombies as they drove and keep them back from the truck. He's just sort of swinging it at them so they don't come close to the truck because they're afraid of the fire. Yeah. Right. It's a good plan. When they get to the gas pump, he drops it by the end of the tailgate to try and keep them away from the car. But Tom sprays gas across the torch as he's trying to fill up the truck, which then ends up lighting the truck on fire with Judy inside. They try to drive away and they try to get out of the truck, but Judy's jacket gets caught and the truck explodes killing both of them yeah this girl is on fire oh mikey i I love when you sing this truck is on fire (laughs) that truck's executioner is so hot right now (laughs) (laughs) yes she is yes so cooper is watching all of this from the upstairs windows runs downstairs my favorite is is ben who like looks up and he's like oh 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 shit (laughs) but ben takes aim with the gun grabs the torch and makes a run back to the house and makes it but then cooper won't let him in. It's so insane. I was so mad at Coop. He's going to leave him out there to die. So he ends up kicking the door in and then they barricade the door behind him. And now Cooper helps him barricade the door. And Ben smartly allows him to help him barricade. And then as soon as the door is barricaded, just pulls back and punches. Yeah, him. he beats the shit out of Cooper. It's great. It's like amazing. Yeah. Punch um, first, ask questions later. You don't need yep. to ask questions. We know what happened. It's yep. questions to himself like, am I happy? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't people hang out with me? <laughs> so the zombies find the burning car and eat Tom and Judy. Uh, Helen and Barbara come back up from the basement because there's supposed to be another broadcast at three o'clock. Uh, but now they have no way to leave and they're trying to determine whether or not they could do it on foot. There are too many zombies out there. There's too many zombies. They do know that Barbara has a car, but she doesn't have the keys and it's about a mile away. Yeah. And at this point... This is when we find out that Karen has been bit. And at this point, Ben, logical, is like, um, what kind of disease are they carrying? We don't know. We've all been exposed now. What's going on? Uh, But meanwhile, there's movement outside because it's a Tom and Judy buffet. More like a barbecue. It is. Yeah, it's more like a barbecue. And this is like what I can only imagine is like watching Mikey eat hot wings. <laughs> Some of these people are like just mowing down on these bones. This is not as bad as that. <laughs> I had that listed also in my notes. Yeah. Um, but this is where they get the TV broadcast that it becomes one of the most famous parts of this movie that tells them that dead bodies will come back from the dead and that they can kill the ghouls because they're called ghouls in this movie, not zombies, by a shot in the head or a blow to the skull. If you kill the brain, you kill the ghoul. What that gets shortened to in later films is removing the head and destroying the brain. Yeah. uh, Which is the refrain that gets used in most zombie films. They interview what, in my notes, I have him listed as essentially a proud boy, but it's (laughs) effectively, it's the leprechaun news report, but for zombies. Yeah. Where it's just a bunch of dudes with guns like, oh, y'all seen the zombies say, yeah, yeah. 
Where's the gold at? Give me the gold. I think this is the most realistic how America would respond to yes. a zombie apocalypse. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's rally down to the gas station and shoot everything. In rural Pennsylvania? Yeah. That's exactly what would go down. Yeah. Well, and literally they just, they all have guns. They just spread out and shoot everything that moves. Like, it's nuts. Yeah. So the power goes out because the power lines are down and there's a fuse box in the cellar. But as they're trying to debate what they're going to do next, Cooper tries to get the gun. He's basically talking to his wife, Helen. He's like, I've got to get the gun. And she's like, haven't you had enough? Like, it's your (laughs) fault for being an asshole. Haven't you ruined enough of this, dear? Right. Uh, The torch outside burns out. And one of the zombies uses a brick to try and get through the door. And so they're having to rebarricade doors and windows. And Helen tries to hold it, but she's just like rubbing her fingers on the door. She like can't reach it to actually hold it. So if you watch her closely, she's just rubbing her hands against it, which is very funny looking. <laughs> and also, as we find out, not effective. No. <laughs> Cooper chickens out and Ben drops the gun to try and barricade. And Cooper goes for the gun and aims at Ben telling his wife Helen to get into the cellar. He fights with Cooper for the gun. Helen stays out of it. She lets Ben kick her husband's ass again. Ben gets the gun, cocks the rifle, and shoots Cooper. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. He has been responsible for a lot of people dying in this movie so far just because he has to have control. I do like that you see his wife do the mental calculus of, okay, if we make it out of this, I'll get half of his stuff. If I let Ben kill him, I get all of the stuff. Because she fully just lets it happen. Well, I call this scene banging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> I, I think her mental calculations are, who do I have a better chance of surviving with, Ben or my oh, husband, absolutely. who has been foolish? Yeah. And she's like, clearly it's Ben. And also, I think she's like, if I fight with Ben, he'll just shoot me, too. So she just stays out of it. Well, I mean, I think she was like, we were barely surviving before the zombies as a couple. Yeah. Well, she makes it clear earlier in the movie that they are not a happy married couple. Right. So Cooper collapses down into the cellar where he sees his daughter laying still and probably dead. He reaches for her. And then dies. Yeah. Meanwhile, from outside, hands are clawing at Helen. Barbara actually comes to for a bit and tries to fight them off. Helen gets away and goes downstairs to see her daughter. Uh, but she comes upon her daughter, Karen, eating Cooper. Yeah. Helen falls and Karen grabs a garden spade and stabs her to death. Man, with it. I was surprised at how graphic that was for the 60s. I mean, they do cut away, but still like this is at that time when like you could not show anything like this. Yep. And they uh, did the distorted scream. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this is, this is creepy. Yep. Meanwhile, upstairs, Ben and Barbara fight off the zombies trying to get inside, except they break through the door and one of the zombies is Johnny. And Barbara hesitates for a minute and it's just long enough for Johnny to carry her off with the zombie horde. They carry Barbara back into the crowd of zombies and Karen comes from behind and Ben pulls a Mikey and just like kicks the shit out of that yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah. It's an evil kid. It it's is. an evil kid. Absolutely. I did love that Barbara's brother had his driving gloves back on. Yeah, like he had put them back yeah. on. Like he had gone into his pocket and gotten them. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I'm dying and I'm becoming a zombie. I probably should put my driving gloves on. <laughs> I don't even think he was a zombie at that point. <laughs> he was just trying to like hang out with the zombies, trying to like <laughs> pretend like he is one. He's like, got you back, Barbara. It just throws her out there. <laughs> <laughs> now you're the candy. 
<laughs> ben locks himself in the cellar with Harry and Helen Cooper, and the zombies all collect around the cellar door, but he barricades himself inside. Cooper tries to get back up, and he shoots him in the head. Yeah. Helen open her eye, opens her eyes, he shoots her in the head as well. But I do want to say that they are both dead at this point, yes. and they are just now coming back as zombies. He doesn't straight up murder them. They were both already right. dead. Yeah. They were both already dead. I mean, he basically murdered Harry, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, but he had it coming. He had it coming. <laughs> he only had himself to blame. Anyway, He so- had it coming. I had to shoot him in the brain. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Now, he's trapped down there with no resources except for the gun and two dead bodies. Yeah. And he does find more stuff to barricade the door, but in the end, he just grabs the gun and waits. And the zombies wander around the house. And this is where, in my notes, I just have score monster mash, because that's the only thing that would have made it better. Because they're just wandering around the house aimlessly. It's really, it's a very, very funny sequence, because they're supposed to be scary, but they're just kind of like, and just like bumping into furniture. In my mind, I heard, it's like thriller out there. It's close to midnight and zombies here are wandering around your house. Anyway, we cut to the next morning and we see a helicopter over zombies in a field with that militia just in a line mowing them down. Yeah. Just shooting them down. The 1960s helicopters seem really dangerous because he lands and it's like way below head level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The helicopter lands and they're talking. uh, They tell him that the National Guard's coming and they're like, don't worry, we'll be done in a couple hours because they're just shooting everything. Uh, So they make their way toward the house. Meanwhile, Ben is in the cellar. He has survived the night and he can hear the dogs barking upstairs and he sees that there are like no zombies, you know, hitting the door or anything. So he goes back out into the house and the zombies seem to have retreated. Well, I think the zombies retreated because they heard the noise of the gunshots and they start to go towards the noise. And then they're like Mm -hmm. a moth to the flame at that point because they're getting mowed down by the militia. Right. Right. And so Ben goes to the window to see what's happening. And one of the militia outside says, I heard the noise and then Ben approaches to the window with a gun and they shoot him dead without even checking to see if he is a zombie. Yeah. And the credits roll over them, usually like literally using hooks to drag his body outside to the fire. And And that's that's the movie. movie. All right. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, let's talk about some final thoughts about Night of the Living Dead. What do you guys think? It holds up. It sort of does. It's a classic, dude. And I think it's like the classic zombie story, like quote unquote zombie. But I mean, like the interactions of the people. I mean, like every film, every zombie film steals from this movie. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I will say I'm disappointed a little bit with what Romero does later on in life. Yeah. I mean, he makes some interesting choices with the franchise as it goes. I do think his Dawn of the Dead, the one that comes right after this, is yeah. a landmark. Like it is a classic yes. among classics. I, I'm dying to watch that with y'all. It's not available on a lot of streaming services because this is something you and I looked at when we were looking at Zombie mm-hmm. Month. And that was the reason we couldn't do it is because it was really hard to find. I have in fun facts, I'll talk about another movie that is also really hard to find. But Dawn of the Dead is definitely one of them. I, I think it's one of the few horror classics that like still holds up to like the point where like oh this is a good film yeah well and the thing that i really like both about this and about dawn is that romero really takes aim at societal structures in both movies in this movie we definitely have a lot of um kind of narrative around inherent bias and race because you've got a black protagonist and white characters 
who are actively both prejudiced against him, but also in a trauma situation, which is interesting. Yeah. And then Dawn of the Dead, it's dealing heavily with American consumerism in a very unique and interesting way. Uh, and so I would love to eventually watch it if we can find it streaming so that everybody can watch it with us. I really like the way this movie tackled the race stuff. I thought it was super interesting. Yeah. I even liked the way, like, it seemed like the older generation, like Mr. Cooper and, and a little bit to some extent his wife, although it was really mainly Mr. Cooper, like he had security and he felt like that's all that mattered. And he like didn't care about anyone else's needs except for him and his security. And even like the younger generation that was down there in the cellar with him still sort of sided with Ben when they came upstairs and were like, mm -hmm. no, maybe, yeah. maybe this is something that we need to do. And I thought that that was interesting because in that time, like the older generation was like, and you still sort of see that today, like the older generations tend to be a little more racist and the younger generations tend to be more open and, and accepting of other, you know, races and sexualities and stuff like that. So it was, it, I thought even that aspect of it was super interesting and super informative of like things that are still going on today. I was like, wow, this is like nailing some stuff on the head while still maintaining this like huge, like house of misogyny around them. <laughs> but listen, like, and I will publicly admit to this, even though it didn't make the episode, I was shitting on this pic when you guys picked it because I was Hard. like, Hardcore. I was like, it's a low budget sixties movie. Like this is going to be a terrible movie. And I will openly admit I was so, so, I mean, I was Thank so wrong. You. I hadn't seen it though. Like I was literally, everything I knew about it was that it was low budget and that it was sixties. So in my mind, I was like, oh, this is gotta be terrible <laughs> in, i will say in, in the midst of of the shitting on of this movie i brought up a new movie that only got a digital release that we watched that like well I, you guys haven't watched it yet also really fucking good i don't think it's not gonna fit this month because we have other stuff that we want to watch uh but if you have shutter watch blood quantum it's real real fucking good well, i'll check it out it's all indigenous tribe produced it's first nations because it's from canada oh i've read about that it's supposed to be good right it was really it was really surprisingly good for the budget uh it's very gory so like it is one of the gorier zombie movies i have seen it is hard on the gore but it's a very good movie uh anyway are we ready for some fun facts yeah on let's this hit us movie? with your fun facts page yes hit us with your fun facts zombie, zombie fun, fun facts. facts fun facts yeah got it uh so as i mentioned <laughs> Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> this was shot on 35 millimeter in black and white because they could not afford color. However, they also only had equipment to edit on 16 millimeter and couldn't afford to buy new equipment. So that meant that they had to shoot on 35 millimeter, have it converted to 16 millimeter before they could work on editing it, which means that they never had time for more than one or two takes of any shot. They had no way of checking it, and they had no way of checking if the audio had mixed properly, so the sound had to be mixed without seeing the movie. What? Yes. So the fact that this is even watchable is astounding for what they had to go through to make it. That's bonkers. Like, that, oh, man. Like, that is so bonkers, what you just said. Yes, and I know that, like, you care about it and, like, a handful of the people who listen to this <laughs> care about it, and that's about it. But for the people who understand what that means, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. It is bonkers. This was also one of the first films to be added to the National Film Registry of the Library of Congress. No shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dwayne Jones, who's the actor who plays Ben, is the first black actor cast as a main character in a horror movie. 
and it's one of the only times in horror that a black character is the last one to die or survives. Uh, there are very few horror movies where the black character survives to the end. One of the few being the one I want to watch in September that references this film. Now, as I mentioned, the script was not written with a black actor in mind, but when they cast him out of the audition, they liked him so much, they liked his performance so much, they changed the whole script. And originally, Dwayne Jones's character, Ben, was described as a working class truck driver. Originally, it was his truck. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but he actually wasn't happy with the way the script portrayed him, and he rewrote sections of the script to make his character sound more educated and articulate. The actor did? Ooh, the actor yeah. did. And Romero was just cool with that? That's awesome. Yes, that's because Dwayne Jones was a university professor. So he updated Ben's what? dialogue. Yes. Huh. And and it is his first feature film. Um, but he would go on to be in another very famous horror film, 1973's Ganja and Hess. Now, I would love to do Ganja and Hess. However, it is very hard to find streaming. It's only recently released digity, digitally, and it's one of three or four different cuts of the movie. The movie was recut multiple times, and it's usually only on premium subscriptions, but it's one of the first black vampire movies. It is super famous, but it is very hard to find, and it's considered an experimental horror film. Uh, but wow. part of the reason it was recut multiple times is because of the biases of the rating system, which we talked about. Um, actually, I think that was actually a romancing the pod discussion that we had about the rating system being biased. Uh, two weeks ago or so. I think it's, yeah, on But I'm a Cheerleader. Yeah. So the rating system is biased, and that has a, a part to play in them recutting that movie. But part of the reason they recut it is because there's minor amounts of gore and violence and a large sexual storyline, and it's theorized that it was racially motivated, that they were much harsher on Ganja and Hess because it was a black couple. Uh, and so it's cut a couple different times. The most recent digital version of it, as far as I can understand, uh, has been restored at length to include most of the pieces that were cut out, although some pieces were lost forever. If you want to know more about it and more about Dwayne Jones in general, highly recommend watching Horror Noir, the documentary. It is on Shudder. Uh, in general, if you like horror, you should watch Horror Noir. It's one of the best horror documentaries of the last decade. Um, and History of Horror, uh, Eli Ross' History of Horror covers that as well. Uh, awesome. Now, this movie, back to this one, uh, is actually based on the movie I Am Legend, which is technically vampires, not zombies. Yes. Um, and in that movie, it's set in Los Angeles and focuses on a virus that turns those infected into vampire-like creatures who feed on others. Now, Will Smith did the movie, but I'll say that I Am Legend, the book, yes. is the best horror book I think I've ever read. I Am Legend is a great book. Mm -hmm. It is a really great book. Uh, and the man who wrote it, Richard Matheson, eventually watched Night of the Living Dead and he was not happy oh. about it being kind of a, a sideways adaptation or at least inspired by his book. Sure. He actually told an interview at the time that he found it, quote, kind of cornball. Oh, wow. OK. Wow. Those are strong words. Yeah. <laughs> strong for the 60s. Um, yeah. If you adjust for inflation, that's like real bad. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. fucking terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like this swear word inflation. Like, yeah. Swear word totally inflation. Yeah. I love that. 
Now, as they were writing the movie and decided to deviate from I Am Legend and decided to base it on, quote, zombies, which we didn't really have a name for yet. There is an Italian movie that does use the word zombie, but it's referring more to the traditional scopolamine-based zombies, which if you know your zombie history, scopolamine is a naturally occurring substance that can induce kind of a coma translite state. And the idea would be that you would blow it into people's faces in a powder form and then they would be your zombie slaves yeah it's called getting barbered yes uh, <laughs> and before before this movie that would have been the connotation for zombies sometimes spelled with a d at the beginning and it and it does come specifically from the diaspora Anyway, this movie, when they aired more on the side of what zombies will become in film, they were trying to brainstorm the most shocking thing their villains could do to scare people. And they decided on cannibalism, which is why zombies eat people. This movie is the reason why zombies really? eat okay. people. Yes. Huh. One of the working titles of this movie was Night of Anubis. Uh, named after the god of mummification for ancient Egypt. Yeah, yeah. And the title was changed because George A. Romero was like, yeah, Americans aren't going to get that reverence. <laughs> like this. Right. Totally true. Would Mr. Cooper get it? No. Then we're going to have to change it. Yeah. <laughs> now, there were horror movies back in the day. There was horror makeup, but there had not been a precedent for zombie makeup because this is our first yeah. zombie in this incarnation of zombie. Uh, and so Marilyn Eastman, who was one of the makeup supervisors for this movie uh, used white foundation and then darkened people's eyes but then they had to use mortician's wax to create wounds and, and decaying flesh because it was the first time people have ever really had to do that. That's really cool. The costumes for the cast all came from thrift stores or their personal clothes oh. because there was no budget for costumes. And Johnny, the brother, his mom owned the car that they use as Barbara and Johnny's car. <gasps> and the cemetery scenes were shot over two days and someone ran oh. into the car during filming. That's why it was all scratched up on the side. So they... Did they stage that? Yes, they did. So they, oh, they, re, they rewrote it and staged the wreck to explain why that side of the car was messed up. But it's also why you never see that side of the car until that wreck. Yeah. Wow. So okay. the co-screenwriter, a man named John A. Russo, appears as the zombie who gets killed by Ben with a tire iron inside the house. Uh, but he also volunteered to be the zombie that gets set on fire from the truck because nobody else wanted to do the stunt and uh, stated that his zombie walk probably looks so accurate because he was hung over. Uh, and a lot of people had multiple jobs on this set, including Carl Hardman, who plays Harry Cooper, because he was also a makeup artist, did the electronic sound effects, and took the still photos used for the closing credits. So in between his, his scenes, he's like applying mortician's wax as zombie makeup for people. All right, that's Aww. sort of awesome. I sort of like him as an yeah. actor, but like hate his character in this movie, which you're supposed to. Yep. He does a good job <laughs> at it, but wow, that's awesome. To. Yeah. And part of the reason that he had to do makeup is because the person that they originally hired to do makeup couldn't do it. And that was a very, very young Tom Savini. No way! Uh, yes. He comes back for the next one, though, right? He does Dawn come back for the next yeah. one, yes. So he had actually auditioned for an acting role in another movie with Romero, and it didn't work out. It, it never got made. Um, and so he tried to get Tom Savini to do the effects on this movie, but Savini was unable to do it because he was currently drafted into the army oh, wow. as a combat photographer in Vietnam. Yeah, Tom Savini has a wild, interesting life, by the way. Um, but he would later appear in Dawn of the Dead. And then he actually ends up directing a remake, the Night of the Living Dead remake in 1990. 
So super interesting. That's awesome. When the zombies are eating the bodies out of the burnt out truck, the Tom and Judy buffet, they're actually eating roast ham covered in chocolate sauce because it's black and white. All of the blood is chocolate sauce. Oh, I bet that was so gross. They actually they said that it was so gross that it was almost a waste of time putting makeup on the zombies because they ended up looking pale and sick after eating it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Now, because they didn't have Tom Savini to do effects, the set, the body upstairs, uh, was actually made by George Romero, who used ping pong balls for the eyes. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look awesome. And then when no. Ben drags that body to like the back room or whatever, you could tell it's just a lady laying on a carpet. Yeah, just kind of yeah. curled. Yeah, <laughs> the house for this film was loaned to them by the owner who planned on demolishing it anyway. I was about to say, because they destroyed the hell out of that place. Yes, and told them that they were going to destroy it. And George Romero said, well, we can do that for you. So essentially, they got the house at a severely discounted, if not free rate, because they were going to destroy it. But then in order to film in it, they had to clean it up to make it look livable inside. (laughs) And they started with the kitchen so that they could have a clean place to have lunch because the set was also their break room and craft services. Oh, boy. Because it all had to be one thing. Wow. So as soon as they finished editing the film, they put the reels into cans, threw it in the trunk of a car, and drove straight to New York City that night to have it screened at any willing theater because they had no distribution plan. And so eventually they do find a theater that is willing to screen it as a Saturday matinee, October 1st, 1968. And it's a month before the MPAA ratings go into effect. (gasps) Oh, man. So for a small window of time, the film was accessible on the big screen for all ages. And it got a ton of negative criticism, including Robert Ebert, who wrote about watching the movie with children under 10 who were terrified and crying around him. I'm sure. Because (laughs) there was no rating system. Um, But the initial screening, the very first one that they they managed to get, uh, was met with a standing ovation. Wow. Yep. This movie does make a lot of money. That's all I'll say. Uh Uh-huh. But George Romero sees little to no profit from the film. What? Due to, yes, because he didn't understand the distribution deal. So the distributors walk away with all of the profits. Oh my God. Yeah. And those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for those awesome fun facts. We had a lot of fun facts. And that last one was a downer. But let's talk about box office. So what do you think the budget, and Paige, you probably know. I will recuse myself. Okay. So, Mikey, what do you think the budget for Night of the Living Dead was in 1968? Okay. I'm going to go with $10,000. Okay. That's a little low. Uh, The production budget was $114,000. Oh, okay. Okay. In 1968, if you adjust for inflation... That's around $881,000. So it's still under a million dollar movie. Like we, I don't know the last time we did a movie that was under a million dollars. Like they, paranormal activity. Yeah, probably. No, oh, uh, the endless. Oh, the endless. That's right. Yeah. But it's super rare. Like movies rarely are cost less than like $5 million. Anyway, this movie, like Paige said, released October 1st, 1968. And I don't have, cause it was so long ago. I don't have like the weekend breakdowns. So let me just ask, what do you think it made for its total domestic box office run? I will recuse myself again because I know. I figured. Yeah. Mike, do you got a guess? $20 million. Oh, God. <laughs> Not bad. It made $12 million domestically 
and then $18 million internationally for a total of $30 million, which if you adjust for inflation is $232 million. It's over 263 times its budget. Yeah. 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 It's insane. I mean, if you adjust both of those numbers for inflation, it was under a million dollars to make and made $232 million. Yeah, adjusted for inflation, it's one of the most. It was one of the most successful horror films of all time up to the '80s, give or take. That's amazing, and I'm so pissed that Romero didn't get any of that money. He didn't get any of that money. Now he does once he gets into Dawn of the Dead and and the sequels renegotiate, and and he does have a better time of it. But you have to remember that that's almost a decade later. Yeah, man. Oh, that's rough. But that is your box office, Mike. Do you want to hit us with that scary scale? Yeah, uh, listeners, our scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film today. Yeah. Not a rating of quality, just of how scared we are. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Paige. This is a one for me, but I've also seen it before. Todd. It's a one for me, too, and I have not seen it before. <laughs> it is also a one for me. Yeah, it's not, it's not scary. Zombie movies don't scare me as much as other movies Oof. in general. 28 Days got, got me. 28 Days Later got me. 28 Days is pretty scary. Um, yeah. I will say the movie that we're watching next, the very first time I saw it, was one of the first horror movies that I ever saw outside of like Predator as a kid or whatever. And it got me the first time. It had some scary moments. I don't know if it's going to get you, Todd. It doesn't scare me anymore. It's one of my favorite movies, but... Okay. Well, that's the scary scale. Do you want to go ahead and talk about what we're going to watch next week? Since this week you made us watch Night of the Living Dead. What are you making us watch next week, Paige? Next week we're watching Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, brother. And we had to have you watch Night of the Living Dead so that Shaun of the Dead makes sense. You'll get it when we watch it. That makes perfect sense. You want to lay the groundwork for, I'd imagine, jokes? Yes. In this Shaun of the Dead? Because Shaun of the Dead is, by the, the poster says, a romantic comedy with zombies. With zombies. It is also one of my favorite films of all time. It is. Edgar Wright. So, of course it is. Because yeah, Paige right. has a type. I do. Uh, but also, <laughs> I think you're going to love it, even though it's scary sometimes. I honestly really love those people who make those movies. Like the Cornetto trilogy are yeah. some of my favorite movies. So, like, yeah. Uh, Baby Driver is a great movie. Like, I like Edgar Wright movies a lot, too. So, like, I have no doubt that I'll like this movie. There are sections of it that get into true zombie movie. Okay. At points. And I think that's where it gets almost scary i i will rate it a one at this point i would think maybe you might give it a two or a three well we'll see next week yeah. when we watch Shaun of the dead yay i'm looking forward to it i've heard a lot of good things so mike do you have a review for us to read i do have a special review today oh a very special long distance dedication review <laughs> who's it from mikey it's from christine beagle oh a dog wrote this <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually from her daughter ariana Oh. oh, who she posted in the Facebook group about her daughter surviving melanoma as a young, young child. Oh, yeah. Now I feel bad for that dog comment. OK, thank you. <laughs> as you should. And the title of the review is to Mikey from Ariana. So it's from her daughter. OK. OK. Uh, this podcast is great. And you guys make me laugh. Oh, and I love all the movies you guys watch. And thanks, Mikey, for your gift. And your laugh is funny. So it is. I agree. I I got her a spooky haunted ghost Lego set and sent it to her a couple of weeks ago when they really? posted that on Facebook. Yeah. Aww, yeah. That's so sweet. That's so sweet. Then, so what you're saying is you bought this review to be nice to you is what you're saying. <laughs> that makes sense. Wow. I'm actually glad to, to know where this review is going because the she says, thanks Mikey for your gift and your laugh is funny. And the next sentence and tell Todd he makes my eardrums bleed. Wait, really? 
Wow. See, I thought I thought he was going to be like, and uh, and it definitely says this. Um, no more singing. Uh, wow. It also no. says, Dude, pull this up, pull this up on your phone. This is what happens when you don't bribe kids. <laughs> Todd, you make my ears bleed, and tell Paige. She's the funniest girl I've ever heard. Oh, damn. <laughs> I take it back. This review is the best. <laughs> this, is the, this is the best review I've ever heard and the most hurt that Todd has been <laughs> since he's ran into a truck. Oh. Yeah, I just looked it up. It very much just say, until Todd, he makes my eardrums bleed. <laughs> Todd, Todd, you don't make my eardrums bleed, and I'm wearing headphones. <laughs> and Todd, do you have any words to a child cancer survivor uh, in response to this? No, don't hurt her worse. Damn. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing well, Ariana, even though you don't like my voice, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Do you wow. think your voice caused the cancer? <laughs> do you think your voice caused the cancer? No, I think it cured it, Mikey. I think it cured it. Rude. We get another review next week. It's like, yeah, it was ear cancer and now it's worse. <laughs> anyway, Ariana, we're really glad you're okay. And thank you for writing in. That's a great review. I'm super glad you're able to live on and change your stance on how you like my voice. I'm so glad you have time to grow and learn and realize that this is the best it gets, baby. Oh, the best it gets. I'm really hoping you don't change your stance on me being the funniest. Although, if you want a list of other funny people, I will gladly give you one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into plugs because I'm like legit hurt right now. <laughs> I cannot stop laughing. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm, than the mm -hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. And literally we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd awesome. Well, we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's, Twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. Nick, Nick B. B. Fun fact. fact. Oh, yeah? He had this farmhouse that he was ready to destroy, and uh, thankfully this movie took care of that. Awesome. Well, Nick mm -hmm. B., thanks for loaning out your uh, farmhouse to a uh, legit classic horror movie. This episode also brought to you by... 
Ori. Uh, but Ori, you know, went above and beyond when helping produce a little small film you may have heard of called Night of the Living Dead. And she made sure that the lighting was very, very good for Ben. So he looked great on camera when that wasn't really a common thing most people did back in the day. That is true. And that also she true. saw that Todd put all of his credit card information up on Twitch <laughs> and then used it to buy more lights. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, we need more ring lights. Uh, this episode also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you some Awesome Possum facts. So here's one for you. No possums were hurt in the making of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Great fact. Thank you. Although George Romero did use some as gaffers and best boys. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you just did that every week. You're like, there were no possums filmed in this movie. Filmed in this movie? I mean, that's true, too. There were no possums that were filmed in this movie either. Maybe that one zombie that ate a bug was actually a possum. (laughs) Speaking of bugs... This episode is also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business. And Brandon's Bug Business is actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook. So if you have any spider, scorpion, millipede, centipede, or any other apede that you might have the need for. The need for pee. The need for pee. <laughs> for practical or pranking purposes, reach out to Bug Cage Company on Facebook and have Brandon ship you some bugs. Nice. This episode also brought to you by the letter Jeff. And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones TV show. And they've actually moved on to Agent Carter because they finished all the Jessica Jones episodes. So check out that podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones. This episode also brought to you by Taco Cat. And Taco Cat wants you to check out his podcast, What's the Zombie Shaking at Your Dick Wise? <laughs> it's actually called What's New Barkeep? Whoa, 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 uh oh. You could say that zombie was hanging brain. <laughs> Where each week they talk super nerdy stuff like D&D and other super nerdy stuff, but also sort of broader pop culture topics like the like taxes. What? Well, no, no, not like taxes. <laughs> broader pop culture topics like you know marvel and dc and stuff like that so check it out it's called what's new barkeep whoa, 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 whoa. they talk about nerdy shit like where's the clitoris <laughs> like women can't have orgasms <laughs> and why should they <laughs> please cut that we now return you to an all new the Patreonicals. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I want to start this episode uh, saying that we reset the world. Yep. So now I don't have to remember anything again. <laughs> Except for like going forward. You'll have to remember from this point on. But yes. Mm, it's like 50 first dates here. <laughs> Paige's favorite movie about <laughs> intellectual <laughs> About traumatic brain, brain injuries. <laughs> and the man that takes advantage. Uh-huh. The soundtrack is all reggae. <laughs> music what's not to love the abuse (laughs) anyway (laughs) um okay so it's like america fuck yeah yeah (laughs) and everybody's there coming again to save the motherfucking day anyway we open on kate who realizes she still has her psychic abilities nice and she's like moving shit around a house and in walks dave and he's like kate I still remember all that crazy shit that happened. And uh, Tristan walks in, but he's a real, he's not a cyborg anymore. He's just like a person. He's a real boy? Yeah, and he's like, God, and he starts crying. When you wish <laughs> on a star, Geppetto, I'm a real no boy. 
And then Amy walks in and she's like, that was all really bonkers. What is happening? And Eddie and Sasha walk in. They are, they apologize and they're like, I can't, we don't even know what happened. I think things just got too weird in the last Patreon. Yeah, we started banging and shit got real out of hand. Yeah. Eddie's got a koala on his shoulder and it's just like a normal cute koala. It's not like a cyber koala? Yeah, not a cyber koala. Okay. (laughs) But then, (laughs) then, well, I'll save that for the end. I don't want to get, I don't want to get too far. I'd have to set this all up for next week. So, okay. So Sasha and Eddie, they apologize. And Scott, who is still a thing though, he's still made of rocks and he was outside and he's just (laughs) waving and he's like, I've always been made of rocks and I'm not sad about it. I just want everybody to know that this is okay and I'm okay with who I am. And then uh, I'm going to go get my rocks. (laughs) (laughs) And Isaac comes in and he's like, I don't feel the need to eat people anymore. (gasps) Oh, it's been since the ravenous episode that that was going on. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Matthew walks in and then this new person, Matthew's, other half is named Kaylee and wait when you say other half are they like connected oh that's a great question they're not connected it's just two people okay Okay. they were holding hands okay and Kaylee is um dressed kind of like the matrix and so like like trinity yeah kind of like trinity no 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 green and made of code (laughs) (laughs) and they're like matthew and who's this And he's like this is Kaylee we we just met and she's like really nice and like what a great place but then he rips off his face, revealing a more evil goatee that's been there what? underneath his face. <laughs> and then Kaylee uh, murders Dave and Tristram in front of everyone. And he's what? like, I'm doubly evil now, bitches. <laughs> and it's cut to black. And that's what you get, Matthew. We're talking shit in the Facebook group. You're going to be evil forever. <laughs> You get you get the Chris Evans treatment for when he had to go back and do reshoots on that one Avengers movie and they put a fake face over his beard. Yeah, that's what you get. You're most evil now. Most evil, Matthew. <laughs> the evilest of Matthews. We shall call you Mateo. <laughs> I do sort of feel like this whole Patreon reset and then what just happened was just a Mikey vendetta that we got to play out like right in front of us. <laughs> Which was sort of fun. I can't wait to find out where most evil Matthew got the missing impossible mask of his own shaved face. Dun 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 dun. Henry Cavill with a mustache. But perhaps that question will be answered next week on another episode of The Patriarchals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky and spooky. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great week. Mikey, I'm so glad you're back. I feel I'm in a real good mood. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm still vacation. <laughs> I love vacation, Ain't Mikey. Ain't nothing gonna break a my stride. Uh, Ain't nothing gonna, gonna slow me down. down. Oh, no. Even the singing doesn't bother me right now. <laughs> we'll see you next week, fuckers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>